juke. Do we, hey, have, do we have all up? our technical difficulties under control? Hopefully, because if we have to restart like a fourth time, I might just <laughs> throw all the equipment out the window and walk home. All right. Um, <laughs> it is Thursday, February 13th, 2020. And uh, it has been a pretty calm week, considering all the things that have been going on the past couple months with the impeachment, and now that's finally over. And then we had the Iowa caucus disaster, which is over with really, I feel like, no... Resolution. Yeah, no resolution. No resolution. Like, I honestly feel like, why isn't there a congressional investigation into what the fuck happened? Yeah, like, literally, our whole country is based off of, supposedly based off of freedom and democracy, and, like, one of the most important democratic processes in our country gets all fucked up and there's all the like, shady business involved. Did and we're just we like, not oh, just fine. have three years of investigation into Russian interference right. in our election and the very first fucking vote that takes place is hosed up. There's all kind of, you know, weird stuff about it. And we're like, okay, let's just move on. Yeah, I'm everyone like, just move on. No one pay attention to what's going on here. But you did say the, you did mention earlier that the, uh, there was a resignation the head of the Iowa Democratic Party right yeah. resigned. Yes, he so did. He somebody's head had to roll so we could move on. And there's been calls for Tom Perez to step down. My feeling about that is I can't stand Tom Perez, but if he gets ousted, the new person that comes in could may succumb to the calls for bringing back superdelegates, which we don't want. So there's that. Um, but yeah, the news media, after being on their kind of cocaine high of the 24 hours of news cycle about the caucus and what was going on like they talked so much they accidentally told the truth a couple times so that tells you how bad it was but now that it's kind of calmed down it's back to let's talk start with our same stupid shit narratives about bernie bros attacking people online i mean you had i had soledad o'brien make she made a tweet about being on the receiving end of these hostile bernie people you know, and I replied, you know, Soledad, this is very disappointing to hear a journalist on a major news network basically accusing a group of people in a blanket statement like that without any proof that these people are even actual Bernie supporters. Well, and you know what another thing is, too, is that you think Americans would learn and it's not that I don't see people being vicious online, although I do see them coming from all parties because that's just how people are. You're always going to have bad people regardless. But I'm like, with the absolute campaign to make Bernie Sanders look as bad as possible, how do you know that these aren't just bots or people hired exactly. to do this? I mean, not only that, but, you know, I saw on Twitter that there was this woman who is a part of some mainstream media, although I, I have to go back and look exactly what which one it was. But she's on there, and she starts going on, of course, about the awful Bernie people and this and that. Just all this, like, anti-Bernie rhetoric as usual. And then they find out that this lady used to be, like, work, she used to be, like, a big person that worked for Bloomberg's news network. Yeah. And I'm just like, why is it always, they always have well, some and you ties. Know that they just, you know that, you know that they, the DNC actually advertised that preceding the Iowa caucus, they were going to roll out this twitter army did you know about this no they basically are going to have people out there patrolling the twitter looking for people who are spreading disinformation now, i don't know what these people's qualifications are or 
but it's like a it's like a Twitter army that's supposed to be monitoring. And I'm like, okay, so we got hall monitors on Twitter now, but we, no one knows who the hall monitors are. I mean, it's insane. It is totally insane the stuff they're trying to do to steer the narrative in the way that they want it to go. Yeah, dude, seriously. They were like praising Buttigieg before he even got it in Iowa. Right. I mean, which came out being a tie and Bernie had the most votes, but they, you know, they ended up coming out with 11 and 11. I think that's what it was. Or right. when they came back and did the recount, did he end up with more? I'm gonna um, look it he up had quick. he had higher numbers as far as the actual votes, but because of the way they weight the different, um, di- no, he came out with one more. It came out thirteen okay. twelve. So he did actually get one more. Yeah, one more. Right. It was point one percent. Yeah, it was, it was neck Bernie and neck. By. Yeah, so it was, it was neck, neck and neck. neck. Um, you know, but they're just praising him. Right, because like he made this this crazy feat, like he beat everybody out of the water, blah 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 blah. blah. I can tell you, I I watched MSNBC, I watched CNN, I watched Washington Post, I was watching all the live streams of the New Hampshire primaries. Not because I think it's like necessarily the most important thing, but I just like to hear what everyone has to say. Right. And I don't know, it's just it's more entertaining for me to watch than anything else. So I watched the New Hampshire primaries. I watched the whole thing. It wasn't even. Five minutes after they were like, okay, we can call it, Bernie got it, that they were talking about all this anti-Bernie shit. I mean, one of the guys that they had, it was the Washington Post, so I was watching, and it had like three people outside that were correspondents, and they had the guy on the inside tracking the numbers. The guy on the inside tracking the numbers seemed to be the most um, non-biased. He seemed mm-hmm. like actually decent. But they had these three correspondents outside, and the guys immediately, he starts talking about like, these anti-Bernie people and, like, creating a group to stop Bernie and all this shit. And I'm just like, what? Hold on. Hold on a second. Hold the fuck on. Because all I've been seeing for weeks is, you have to vote blue no matter who, blah, 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 blah. But now suddenly when it's like, oh, Bernie, like, just barely didn't take Iowa. And he took New Hampshire by a landslide. Mm -hmm. And now suddenly it's, oh, no, 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 no. Can't vote Mm -hmm. blue no matter who. Mm -hmm. We gotta, you know... Just throwing this idea out there of these well, anti-Bernie squads. Right. And I'm like, where did that even and now come And now from? they're like trying to go into the whole, you know, we're, we're conspiracy theorists and all this and that. Listen, I write a lot about propaganda and a lot about, you know, the language that you choose to phrase certain things. For example, you know, whenever, like you said, Bernie wins something, the language is very minimizing. They try to say, well, Bernie won, but he didn't win by as much of a margin as we expect he expected to. Um, you know, his momentum, one guy had the nerve to say his momentum was slowing down because in 2016, he got 60% of the vote in New Hampshire and he was only expected to get less than half of that now. Well, if you, if anybody goes back and looks, it was between him and Hillary Clinton. So, okay, she's going to get half and he's going to get half. When you're looking at five candidates, of course he's not going to get as large a percentage because there's other people in there. I mean, it, it's just the way that they twist a simple fact instead of just reporting the simple fact. And like you said about Pete, you know, okay, great. And I'm not taking anything away from him, the fact that he's neck and neck with Bernie, but they overemphasize the fact that he came out of nowhere and he's like this right. unknown element and everything. And so, I mean, it's all just a storytelling expedition. And the bottom line is that people are going to go out and they're going to vote how they're going to vote. And the Bernie people are kind of hardened veterans at this point of the false narratives that you're just not going to sway them. I mean, this is what gets me too. I saw also on Twitter because that's like what I do when I watch these political things. I just go on Twitter because Facebook is so biased 
and there's so much censored shit on there. Like Facebook is the worst if you're trying to see what actual people are saying. Mm-hmm. So you use Twitter. And someone was like, doesn't it seem strange that there's so many Democrats, including Hillary Clinton herself, that seem more concerned about what happens if Bernie wins than they are of what happens if Trump wins? Right. And I'm like, yeah, you, honestly, you would think, why isn't Hillary out here, you know, giving speeches about how nobody likes Trump and how right. we need to defeat him? But instead, she's out here saying nobody likes Bernie. Right. And right, it's right. like the Democrats on all fronts are completely showing their bias and that they would literally rather have Trump in there than mm-hmm. have a Democrat because... They don't want Bernie. It's all about, it's all about, and people that, people that don't, people that support that system that don't understand that when I demonize Bernie people need to just really take a minute to step back and say like, and this would include Elizabeth Warren too, which she's not my favorite person after the stunt she tried to pull, but. Well, and the following, I mean, even at the freaking New Hampshire primaries, she went on to give a speech saying, well, certain supporters are just dead set on tearing this party and blah, 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 and using insult. And it's just like. So we know who you're fucking aiming that at. But but what they don't realize is that when they attack Bernie, it's just like when Hillary Clinton said about West Virginia that she was going to put a lot of coal miners out of work. You know, maybe, you know, West Virginia only has five electoral college votes, so who gives a shit in the overall picture? But when you talk about blue-collar workers in that demeaning of a way you're talking about blue collar workers in every state well yeah not only that but i mean we're not the only state that focuses on coal i know kentucky's i mean we got a whole coal belt here you know that affects people and they hear that and they're just like well if you're willing to throw west virginia under the bus right then we get the picture too you know so when they talk about bernie supporters in a demeaning way i think what they don't understand is that you're talking about People who just want the same things that Bernie supporters want, you're talking about them in the same way. So is anybody, like we were talking earlier about Chris Matthews. Oh my God, this whole Chris (laughs) Matthews thing. What a nut. So if you have, if you missed this bit of entertainment, I highly recommend you watch the Jimmy Dore uh, commentary on Chris Matthews because it's, it's hilarious. I think it was, uh, was this during the New Hampshire or was this during the Iowa that he did this? Chris Matthews. I I honestly thought it was. I think it was Iowa. I'm not sure. But anyways, in any event, there's a clip of Chris Matthews. On, talking, he was on MSNBC. Yes. Talking about Bernie Sanders and what kind of socialist he is. And he goes into this big rant about how, you know, well, I remember the red, the red scare. And, you know, he's, he's going in the Wayback Machine to Castro. And Castro started shooting people in the face. And, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's literally, it really does illustrate, though, the difference between how my parents were brought up to fear a Russian around every corner and like better red than, you know, dead than red and all that fear of like spies coming. Like it was a psychosis. Okay, so listen to this because I'm just going to play what he said because this is just, it's like, just listen to it. I, I have my own views of the word socialist and I'll be glad to tell them, share them with you in private. And they go back to uh, the early 1950s. I have an attitude about them. I remember the Cold War. I have an attitude towards Castro. I believe if Castro and the, and the, and the Reds had won the Cold War, there would have been executions in Central Park and I might have been one of the ones getting executed. And certain other people would be there cheering, okay? So I have a problem with people who took the other side. I don't know who Bernie, Bernie supports over these years. I don't know what he means by socialist. One week it's Denmark. 
We're going to be like Denmark. Okay, that's harmless. That's, a, that's basically a capitalist country with a lot of good social welfare programs. Denmark is harmless. It's pretty clearly in the Denmark is category. He? Yeah. Are you sure? How do you know? Did he tell you that? Well, I mean, that's what he says, and that's what his agenda calls for, right? Yeah, yeah, He's not uh, calling uh, for uh, any. Let's I mean, see. Let's see. Let's figure that one out. A, but we haven't seen a, a campaign yet where video of him praising the other version right. of Castro has been used, well, but that's it a, will be used. That's a question of how, seen how that plays. Of how tangible, what, what the effect that has. In well, what does question. he think of Castro? That's a great question. What did you think of Fidel Ismo? We all thought he was great when he first, I thought he was cheering like mad for him okay. when gonna, he first wait, went in. And then on. he became a communist and started shooting okay. every one of his enemies. Okay, hold so all, those thoughts on the Cuban, all those thoughts on the Cuban revolution. I have to go back to the spin room and Democratic presidential candidate. So basically... Chris Matthews went from Bernie saying he wants us to have universal health care to he's going to shoot us in the face. <laughs> I mean, I mean honestly, Denmark. We is can't, it like Denmark? <laughs> this, it's kind of ridiculous that this is actually on a regular news network. Like who it's, let him on there? <laughs> Take Grandpa back to the home. Because clearly he hasn't had his meds. I mean, it's just... And then, okay, and then you had Chris... Uh, uh, Todd... Uh, what's his name? I don't know. Oh, the other uh, crazy guy? Yeah. Let me one uh, second. It's Todd something. Todd, uh... I have it on my phone here. Um, Chuck Todd. Oh, Chuck Todd, yeah. So, I don't know why his name went out of my head, but Chuck Todd basically took a bunch of heat this week because he called Bernie supporters online brown shirts. Oh, brown shirts, yes, I did see that. I Which, if you that. don't know what brown shirts are, those are Nazis. So, and what he did was, this is what a weasel Chuck Todd is, because he gets out a piece of paper and he reads a quote from somebody else talking about the online mobs, Bernie's, the Bernie bros, the online mobs, and how Trump has his online, you know, trolls. So is it possible to run a presidential campaign without having this, you know, angry group of people online, like attacking people for you? I mean, it's ludicrous. It's, it's complete, it's just nonsense, you know? So now what are we going to do? Start policing freedom of speech because you your feelings get hurt because you attack somebody who supports Bernie and they say something back to you? Like, I'm not right, saying like there I aren't angry they, Bernie people, but I'm just saying... They always play that card, though. I see it all the time where people are just like, you know, say something really derogatory about Bernie, but in a sly, like, very elitist way. Mm-hmm. And then when people respond to them and they're pissed off... Like, suddenly, then they're the bad guy for defending themselves. And I'm like, all right, that's some, like, gaslighting manipulation shit right there. Like, you know what I mean? And then one chick had the audacity to say, and this was just a regular Twitter user, but she's like, well, I have experienced it myself, and you can't take away from my actual experience. No, I can't take away from your actual experience, but what I'm saying to you is your personal experience is subjective, it is limited to the people that you've interacted with and you have no way to verify that these are actual people that support Bernie Sanders. That's what I'm telling you. There is no verification in social media of who is who this person actually is. So anyway, just wanted to bring you those little fun tidbits that the actual mainstream media is losing their mind enough to be comparing Bernie Sanders to, you know, a communist person killing, shooting people in the face. I mean, it's just completely ridiculous at this point. But they don't know what to do with themselves. They, they just don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah, he's getting attacked at all fronts, which is just like... I mean, I've been watching the debates since the first one and watching these Cox's primaries, and I, I probably will continue to watch them all. Um, 
just because it just keeps it just keeps getting more and more I really do believe that Iowa they they planned this thing with the app and you can call me conspiracy theorist if you want to I've done a bunch of reading on it I believe the people that designed the app are suspect I believe the way it was designed was suspect uh you know if you do any kind of reading about the shadow company and the acronym and the people who are behind it you also will think this is pretty shady it's shit it's just too coincidental yeah it's too coincidental and I think when all the votes that Duval Patrick got that were Bernie's that were just mysteriously given to Duval Patrick, who is nobody, who no one expected to get any votes whatsoever, were, I think what they planned was they were going to launch Mayor Pete out of Iowa looking so far ahead of Bernie that Bernie would just be, you know, his people would be so demoralized they would shift over to Elizabeth Warren or somebody else. Yeah, I They think wanted so too. to just really attack him in Iowa so that Which he we would see that happening momentum. because um, already just in New Hampshire, Andrew Yang dropped out. Right. And he said he was done. Um, and Elizabeth Warren's camp put out a statement. Basically, she's trying to say like, oh, even though we did awful in Iowa and barely survived New Hampshire, which she should have had no problem. Um, she's just like, that doesn't mean anything, blah, 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 blah. Like, now nah, you're done. Like, unless she, unless she wins... Nevada or South Carolina, she ought to just drop out. You know, honestly, part of me feels like, you know, I remember when the last time when Bernie, when people were trying to get rid of him right off the bat, and it made me angry that by the time we got around to West Virginia, which is our primary is in May, that people had already been written off. You know, I don't believe two states, even though Bernie's ahead, I don't believe two states should be deciding they shouldn't, but at the same time, it's you like... You do have to winnow down I mean, the number of people. I, I think we that. can get at this point i don't think andrew yang had a chance i really 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 liked him Mm -hmm. but he just didn't have the name recognition he didn't have he just didn't have a lot of things going for him Mm -hmm. that was getting his name out there and i hope that he runs again at some point Mm -hmm. and can amp up his platform more but i think he did the noble thing you know he said he decided to call it because he's a math guy and the math just doesn't work out he's not going to continue to take people's money when he knows it's not going to get them anywhere well i mean that's but, honest that's yeah it honesty. is so i really did like him and i hope that if bernie does get the nomination that he would consider appointing him somewhere because i feel like the guy has some genuine real ideas mm-hmm. and that he's not crooked so i like that about him um but like i feel like you know tom steyer and all the all these like little randoms at the bottom they're just Mm-hmm. I don't even know why they do take people's money and go because it just it does seem dishonest. Like they're not even reaching two percent. You're not you're not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know. So I think that's shitty. But I think, um, you know. And a lot of times, what you see happening is the people in the front who end up, you know, whether it's God forbid Buttigieg or Bernie, whoever whoever ends up becoming the nominee, if they beat uh, Trump and become the president, a lot of times, you know, and you saw this in with Trump, um, he put some people in positions in his cabinet. That were that you know ran ran against him. So like uh, who was it? There was uh, Ben Carson became the HUD person. Did he put Ted Cruz in somewhere? Well, Ted Cruz is already uh, he's already center in Texas. I thought he put him in charge of some. I don't know. Yeah, definitely Ben Carson though ran against him. He put him in. Yeah, Marco Rubio didn't get shit. I mean, that's what does happen though. (laughs) Like a lot of times, if if the person is a non-political person that doesn't have an office to go back to, a lot of times they find a place in the government. Like, people are saying that they hope that if Bernie gets it, that he puts Tulsi Gabbard in charge of something at the, at the Department of Veterans, you know, Affairs or something like that, because that's her that's her thing. But Or at the State Department or somewhere like that. Oh, no. I don't think Ted Cruz did get anything. No, because he's a senator. He's still a senator. Yeah, I don't know. I thought he offered him something, but no, I was wrong. 
so anyway, yeah, um, I would hope that whoever gets the nomination would consider that. But um, we still got Bernie, and then there's Buttigieg, and Warren's course, still in there. The evil Bloomberg. Well, yeah, the, Bloomberg. I, I don't they spent so much time talking about Bloomberg, and he wasn't even in the yeah. the thing, and they were just t- talking nonstop about him. And one of the reporters from the, I think his name is Lee Fang, um, he was on Ro- uh, Rolling Stone, Useful Idiots, um, talking about the the app because he does some kind of software development and he worked for that company previously. So he has some, you know, knowledge of, of some things there. And, um, so he wrote an article for the intercept about it. And, um, you know, he was saying that he thinks that maybe Bloomberg is in this to take enough votes away from Bernie because, you know, the superdelegates only agreed not to, you know, throw their weight in, in the primaries. But like, if it's, if it gets to the end and there's not a, the person in front doesn't have a wide enough majority, majority, then they're still allowed to kick in. And his theory was that maybe, you know, Bloomberg's just doing all this to kind of take enough uh, votes away from Bernie that he doesn't have a majority and then they can kick in and bring in some completely random candidate like Michelle Obama to put her on the ticket. Which is c- crazy that it would ever work like that, but democracy. Yeah, great democracy. So, yeah. And the other thing crazy. we were going to talk about real briefly was um, President Trump is running on his great ac- economy, his fabulous, wonderful, perfect economy that's soaring, and everybody's rich now because of him. Um, obviously, anybody who's a working class fool like. 99% of us are, you know, the economy's not great. Um, people are working two jobs to struggle to get by. Uh, a lot of times when you're working two jobs because you can't get enough hours at any one job, you can't get health coverage. I mean, it's, it's shit. The, the, the job market, even if there's low unemployment, um, maybe that's because most people are employed, but they're not, they're underemployed. They're not making enough money. So, Unemployment alone does not tell you anything about the quality of life that people are living. Uh, the other thing he constantly harps on is the 401k. Oh, people's 401k. And you hear Trump supporters say this. Well, my 401k is so fat right now. My, my retirement is so great, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, the 401k, a lot of people don't even have 401k. But if you have a 401k, this is what I'm going to tell you. Please start watching some videos on the financial system because I started trying to look into why Trump is trying to pressure the Fed to lower interest rates. In other countries, they have lowered interest rates and Trump's saying, well, if we would lower interest rate like these other countries are, they're at negative interest rate. So they're, you know, they're getting paid to borrow money. So I'm not a financial person. I don't know anything about, hardly anything about this, but this is what I learned. So when you go to the bank, you put money in the bank, right? In a savings account, you get interest on your savings account, right? And the reason you get interest is because the bank loans your money out to other people and they charge those people interest to borrow the money. So when interest rates are higher, okay, when you borrow money, you pay higher interest rate. But when you're saving money, you get higher interest rate. So what happens if our interest rate goes negative? What happens? That means if you have money in the bank, you have to pay the bank to keep your money in there. (laughs) It's funny. I keep my money in my mattress, so. 
I have, I mean, I don't have any money, but I'm just saying like. Yeah, that's, that's rich people problems right there. Exactly. I, I, don't got, I don't have no money, so. So anyways, but, but I was like, okay, so why does he want to lower, if he's so a supporter of the common average everyday working man, okay. Well, he's not, so. He's not. <laughs> that but, sums it up right there for you. He's not. Right. I know that and you know that. But like the people who are stupid who think that Trump is for the average everyday guy. So think about that. If you're a person who saved your whole life and you have $50,000 in a bank, Trump expects you to pay the bank to hold your money for you. But some Wall Street guy who's got, you know, bazillions in investments, he's going he's gonna to now be able to borrow money and get paid to borrow more money to run his schemes to run the financial system in the, in the greater risk that, than ever. So negative interest rates are very bad. And every video that I watched on it, every economist, and these are Harvard, Yale, highly educated, experienced economists are saying zero interest rates are bad and negative interest rates are absolutely fucking horrible. And what happens is the reason that they lower interest rates is because if the economy's struggling, like it was after the 2008 collapse, if you lower the interest rates, banks and businesses will start loaning money more freely and it helps to restart the economy, right? But when you get it so low, it stops having any effect. And we are already at, our interest rate now is like 1.75. So that's how close to zero we are. Germany already went to, z to zero or negative interest rates and so did some other European countries to try to get their mark. Because 2008 was so devastating, the entire world went into an economic slump. Not that anybody was held accountable for it whatsoever, but... Seems to be a theme in our country. Right. So whenever, you know, countries like Germany go into a negative interest rate, if you bought bonds, which were supposed to be a safe investment, like say you buy a 30-year bond, what it is is like say you buy a $100 bond. In 30 years, it'll be worth 100 bucks, right? It's not going to be... You're going to lose money. You're going to lose money buying bonds now like that's supposed to be the safest thing and you're going to lose money on it so what do countries who are so in such bad shape that they go negative interest rate they can't even sell their own bonds to get the money back so what they start doing is looking for other countries with a better interest rate to to buy those dollars so they're buying american dollars right now because that's a safer bet. But if we go negative, it's kind of like everybody in the family's fucking broke. Everybody's broke. Everybody's broke and nobody's come back up. So a lot of financial people are saying that this continuing stock market continuing to go up and up and up and up and up and up and up. It's just, it's, a, it's just going to collapse. It's going to collapse again. And, and I think Trump is just trying to pump it up, pump it up, pump it up till he gets reelected. And then he'll keep pumping it up, pumping it up. And, you know, he said this at his rallies. If you don't elect me, everything, every financial, everything's going to collapse. And he's telling people that. But at the same time, he's setting it up to collapse. So. I guess I better start stocking up on canned corn again. I'm telling you, man. It's really scary. So, anyways, watch some videos on that. If you disagree with me, please send me something. Let me know. I'm an idiot or whatever. But that's pretty much all we have on politics um, in for this week and uh we were going to talk a little bit about feminism oh yeah but i wanted to highlight on this oh, just okay, because i saw it today and i'm just like i don't i just every day every day we stray further from god like have you heard <laughs> that yeah that's how i feel because uh native burial sites blown up for u.s border wall 
Oh, yes, I did see that. Yes. This is fucking awful. Yeah. I'm reading about literally in Arizona where in the um, Oregon Pipe Cactus right. National yep. Monument where people are buried, where they buried their soldiers, their warriors. And, you know, it's, it's a protected natural reserve. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how it's like the last, like, part of this desert that's like all preserved ecosystem animals everything and they're putting this fucking massive wall up there and just blowing shit up mm-hmm. to put it through and i'm like this is awful how can anyone look at this and just be like hell yeah build the wall like you're literally it's awful it's awful from every fucking standpoint it is it's disrespectful to those people it's disrespectful to history you're destroying those pieces of the environment you're you're you know fucking up those animals lives which i know people don't seem to give a shit about but that's one thing that always gets me is that humans treat animals like they're the fucking nuisance invaders. Right. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, well, I mean, does this shock you from an administration that put little kids in cages, separated them from their parents? They still haven't been reunited with their parents. They don't even know if they need to keep adequate records on separating these children from their parents. I mean, yes, it's devastating to the environment what they're doing, but we it's can't just expect, blow after blow after blow. We just can't expect anything more. I mean, they're, I, I don't just, understand. I don't understand how people still want to vote for him, like knowing that that shit goes on. Right. And it's completely because of him. Like, I don't, I don't understand it. Well, people live in a silo and they're information silo and they're just being told the same nonsense over and over and over again that you have to fear this invasion. I mean, it's just racist. It just kills me because you know what, if this were a state that, if that were a state that were full of white people and they had like a regular old Catholic cemetery through there, they would never dream of doing that. Mm -hmm. And people would be outraged if they did. Mm -hmm. And this is just another example of America having our populace, our general populace having absolutely no respect for anyone who isn't just white. Yeah. It's fucked up. It's all rolled up and together. But anyway, so to our next topic. Which we've been wanting to talk about, but we can't get off politics. So we, we, we'll, we'll, we'll make a bookmark. We'll let you know like where, where the politics ended here in case you don't want to listen to it. <laughs> but um, we did want to talk a little bit about feminism this week. Just because Juke and I had a really good conversation about it um, you know, earlier in the week. And we're like, we should really talk about this. And not because I've taken any kind of courses in college I've not you know been exposed really to no formal education on the matter no formal education um you know I really haven't even watched many videos about people's different views on feminism but I feel kind of alienated from the feminist movement so I don't know if that's a generational thing or if it's because um what I perceive to be the feminist movement is inaccurate um but just I guess basically my biggest um, my biggest problem with it is that it feels like, you know, when I was growing up, there were, you know, certain traits that were subscribed to boys and girls. I grew up in a very paternalistic family, patriarchy, big time. And, you know, I saw the things that were deemed to be positive traits like courage and bravery and being adventurous and and being good at, you know, science and being interested in all those things as being like, quote, boy things. And then things that were girl things were playing with dolls and, you know, looking pretty and, you know, really just demeaning in a sense of what a female has to offer. So that's the environment that I grew up in. So I kind of felt like in my heart, because I resisted all that um, and despised patriarchy, 
that I was a feminist. But then I encounter women who are a different brand of feminism that seem to me to reject what it means to be a female. And I know some of it has to do with people's gender preferences. So well, this if, comes from uah.edu. Um, and it says there are several different kinds of feminism. There's liberal, radical, Marxist and socialist, cultural, and eco-feminism. <laughs> I don't know what any of those fucking things are. I do know what radical feminism is because those are the types of feminists that like exclude um, people who are men who become women, trans women. Mm-hmm. They exclude them because they say, like, we don't care that you're trans and that's fine, but you're not biologically born female. Mm-hmm. So you're not a part of our movement. Which on one hand, it's like, I can accept, I guess, because I completely respect anyone who is trans and wants to transition and I will view you as a woman. I'll, I'll address you as a woman. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But you can't stop the fact that, you know, I don't expect them to transition in a way where they present. I don't care what you look like. If mm-hmm. you are a woman, I will address you as one. That's fine. I respect that. But if you are a trans person, a trans woman who has masculine features and it is obvious that you used to be a man, I don't know that you can expect women who have been hurt at the hands of men to put their insecurities and hurt and and fears aside to accept you into woman-only spaces. Right, because it's not a biological, it's not, feminism isn't about necessarily a biological function, it's about your experiences as a female. Right, and it's like, if you grow up as an adult or even a teenager and become, you know, uh, a woman because you've always felt like one that's fine and I respect that but you have never gone through menstruation or childbirth the things that women get along with I mean in the, in the same way that you know I haven't gone through childbirth and I don't try to insert myself into situations where women discuss that because mm-hmm. I don't know anything about it mm-hmm. so I feel like it's the same thing or women you know being sexualized as children I can't tell you this conversation has come up so many times between me and other people and I ask women at what age did you first realize that a man was sexualizing you? And most people answer under the age of 12 years old. Mm-hmm. A trans woman who was born biologically a male doesn't experience that. In Unless the same they way, were in the same sexualized way that, by a man right. who was interested in boys. But not, and, and that's, you know, we can get along on that abuse level as well. But I understand women who want to have women-only spaces to talk about things like that without men mm-hmm. and... As much as I can recognize them as trans women, I don't necessarily blame them if they want it to be biological woman space. Right. You know, I, I mean, part of me, I understand how trans women would be upset by that. But on the other hand, I see, I see it. You know what I mean? I, I am, I know what it's like. And that's what radical feminism is. Yeah, well, they call the, they say that radical feminists are TERFs, which is trans exclusionary radical feminists. And then um, also they have the term swerve, which is a lot of radical feminists are sex worker exclusionary radical feminists. So it's kind of like when you hear about radical feminists, there's not all of them are like that, but like there's a big presence of people that are TERFs and swerves. And as far as the the, the quote unquote TERF thing, I, I get, like I said, I kind of get it. I kind of get it, you know? You can be as respectful as possible, but you can't change what someone's experiences are. And if you are a trans woman and you're trying to understand women, you should understand that a lot of us have been severely damaged by men, which mm-hmm. you were biologically, and you have to respect that as, right. as we do you. But the sex worker thing, I don't understand at all. 
I know they have this belief that like basically by choosing to do sex work that you're hurting women as a whole and you're letting men view you as an object and all these different things that I don't agree with at all. I feel like if you're a woman and you're empowered to be whatever you want and make your own choices, that includes with your own body and what you want to do for work. Right. I mean, I mean, it would seem counterintuitive that the whole movement of women is like, we want to be able to do with our bodies what we want to. So if I want to be in porn and make money with my body, like, what's your issue? Like, I should be free to do that. But I also get that they want to make sure that the woman isn't being objectified in the sense of like she's being put through negative experiences because of that and I don't know it's just so confusing to me the the side of feminism that is exclusionary is exclusionary and it seems like it's divided down the middle between like my personal issue with it it revolves around motherhood and femininity because I feel like you know women you know, the whole concept of male patriarchy being that a woman has a purpose to a man, which is to please him sexually, provide him children, stay at home and make his home. So there's all the subservience in it, right? So I grew up thinking, seeing that and thinking that if I rejected patriarchy, that that was good enough to consider myself a feminist. So I remember telling you when you were like a teenager, you know, when equal rights will, you'll know equal rights are fully achieved. When a woman is broke down on the side of the road and a guy drives by and goes, she'll figure it out. Because that's what we do to men. We think that men are born like with some kind of innate ability to deal with cars and women aren't. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that my situation is when I see somebody broke down a lot of the times, regardless of male, female, age, whatever, I do want to stop and help them, but I won't stop and help a man because there's potential for me to be harmed. Right. No, I get that. But I'm saying like our prejudices as far as people thinking a woman can't handle herself with a car, whereas we see a man and we think a man can, that's a complete gender stereotype. So the day that we disregard all those gender stereotypes in my mind, I felt like that's when we will say we have equality because a woman really isn't stereotyped as being the person who cleans the house or the, there's like a girl should be able to think that be having courage is not a boy trait. It's a human trait right. to be brave. A boy shouldn't be taught that nurturing your children is a female trait. It's a human trait. So my feeling of feminism was that we should disregard the negative stereotypes, but at the same time, I feel like there are feminists out there who hate women who don't disregard their feeling maternal instinct to have children and love and nurture their children. Like we are looked at as complicit in the patriarchy. We're selling out by being baby birthers for these men. Yeah, and it's I like, mean, I don't hate men. There, I don't... Are, there are people like that, but they are a loud group in a small pool. You know what I mean? There, I feel like there aren't a lot of them. They're just really loud. Um, but I do know what you mean. There are a lot of, uh, they call them feminazis as a joke because they just like hate men. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't claim any of these titles at all. So somebody tried to call me a feminist today as an insult. And I was like, well, first of all, <laughs> as an insult, it's like, first of all, that's really not an insult. They also tried to, uh, it was a completely irrelevant argument, but I'll bring it up because it actually is, I feel like relevant to this conversation. Um, but I'm like, I just don't use these labels because I guess I don't like associating myself with a quote unquote group that has guidelines on what they believe. 
because I've literally never been a part of a group where I just, you know, A through Z, I agree with it. That That's a cult. <laughs> so, yeah, I just don't, I don't know. So, I mean, I don't have anything against people who are self-proclaimed feminists, and I think I definitely believe in a lot of equality, but I, I also recognize societal and ideological stereotypes, mm-hmm. and that some of them are not without, you know, a shred of truth in them. Right. You know, so, I don't know, I feel like... It's a back and forth. I feel like if people could just be reasonable, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be such a big arguing point. But um, but anyway, so I posted this thing today because I forget what the... Maybe you'll remember. There was this famous athlete who uh, found out his girlfriend or his wife or whatever was cheating on him, and he, he beat her almost to death. Yeah, it was in, uh, I was in Australia. And it was the guy who uh, has, like, the metal, like, legs. He's a run... He's some kind of running... I'll look it up, but... He, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know if that's it. I, I don't remember. I don't remember the details. They had of domestic it. violence, and then he actually uh, killed her, shot and killed her, right? And went on. No, to... no, no. This is a different okay, case. Because this girl lived. Okay. She lived, but he beat her up bad. Okay. Beat her up bad. Was he but... an MMA guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He I was know a fighter. He was a fighter. It was called like War Machine or something. Was his name? Mm-hmm. It's like a nickname. But um, anyway, so I saw an article about that just a couple days ago, where all of these men in the comments and like. I know, not all men, not saying all men are like this, but just it scares me that there are men out there that say things like this. You know, they read this and they say, well, she deserved it, you know. Or for one instance, they talk about... How do you say that? I don't know. I don't know how they say it. And then um, another instance, I saw this this article. It Basically, all of the things that were coming around, people were having these different discussions, which I was purposely inserting myself into because I, I don't know why I ever think I could talk sense into people, but... Um, about basically if women do anything to provoke or start it they deserve what they get Mm -hmm. and I'm like I guess I just don't agree I don't even you can take complete gender out of the situation so my my point was say you have like um some 20 year old scrawny boy and he gets into an argument with this huge burly 40 year old guy at a bar Mm -hmm. and the kid Hits him in the mouth. Doesn't, the guy doesn't move. 40-year-old guy doesn't bother him at all. This kid's got a baby punch. Mm -hmm. And then he proceeds to pulverize him, breaking every bone in his face. Mm -hmm. How can you turn around and say that that little 20-year-old kid was asking for it? Yeah, he initiated the fight, but the damage outcome is not the same. Mm -hmm. Clearly, this man had every opportunity to walk away, call the police, use any method but violence, even though this kid instigated it, and even if he would have just pushed him up against a wall or something, equal mm-hmm. intimidation, like knock it off. I'm not saying violence is ever the answer, but there, there's equal amounts of right. reciprocating, like you started it right. and now I'm finishing it. Well, you see that. But, no- but to absolutely it just, you know, a woman slaps you, it doesn't give you no, the right self-defense. To, to, I think. Yeah, exactly. It, it, and so many people argue with me. And even today, someone at the office said. Well, if a woman walks up and slaps a man, she's opening up a conflict and she just deserves whatever she gets. And I'm like, wow. I can't believe people genuinely walk around thinking this. Um, violence is wrong. And if a woman slaps a man, it's she wrong. Should be, she should it's be held assault. accountable under Call the law. Call the cops. Let her go right. to jail. But you're not defending yourself, so you have no right to. You're it. making the choice to beat her. Yes. And so many people are disagreeing with that. I've posted status about it on Facebook and I have several people bickering with me today about how you open up a can of worms, you get what you get, an eye for an eye. And I'm just like, yeah, but it's not eye for an eye. 
If she punches you and barely leaves a bruise and you break her orbital, it's not the same. No. Take gender completely out of it. It's not the same. Right. I mean, but no. So the second that I said the words man and woman, there's just all these right. men that jump in like, well, no, if she hits. And I'm like, you're that's not what we're talking about. His name was actually Jonathan Copenhaver and he changed it legally to War Machine. Yeah. That's why War it's hard Machine. to find his name. Um, and her name was Christy Mack. Yeah. She was like a, wasn't she a porn star or something? She was Working a porn star and she was, it says ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Oh, and her then boyfriend. So I guess they were still together when this happened. It wasn't like a, he came after her. they broke up and did it. They were together at the time. Not that that makes any difference, but. But yeah, so they, but they, this is just one of those examples where people like, you know, some people when I argue about this. I like a woman at work told me, well, no one really thinks that. So you're a but feminist. Then a, but then you... an opposite person in, in the office said, no, they get what they deserve. And I'm like, well, clearly we do have a society that needs some type of fe- feminism because they tried to use that as a defense in that case of War Machine. Wow. That, well, she cheated on him. And, you know, let's bring up all the text messages. And they don't come right out and say, like, well, she asked for it. But then what relevance is it that she had an affair? Why are we even bringing that up? The reality is he beat her until she almost died. Yeah. That's the... And he admitted to it. So put him in jail. Yeah, it's attempted murder. The rest of the details do not matter. Right, rationale doesn't matter. So clearly we do need some kind of, you know... I don't know that that's feminism, though. I think it's just being a human being. Like, having respect for a human being like it doesn't like you're saying it should matter the gender whether it was a guy or whatever it should right. matter it's and a people human get, being people get pissed off and they say oh well if you're a feminist then you believe in equality then the gender shouldn't matter no it doesn't matter at all but the problem is is that when i bring up situations like this it happens to women mm-hmm. more than it happens to men it's mm-hmm. not that i don't think it wouldn't be just as wrong if it happened to a man it just doesn't happen mm-hmm. as often mm-hmm. but they always try to twist the conversation that i'm like not the feminist because I'm making it all about the, the genders. And it's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like straw man argument. Knock it off. You know what I'm saying. Right. So, so you, anyway, that was my thing. This is just aggravating thing this week that I'm just like, why? Why are men like this? Why are they Why are they doing this? Like, Well, I think sometimes men, like you were talking about when we had this conversation before about the Johnny Depp situation where – you know, he was in a volatile relationship, but the woman was actually physically attacking him, like, on multiple occasions. Amber Heard, yeah. And actually, when that shit broke, people, feminists, were pissed off at me because they're like, you're supposed to believe women. And I'm like, well, there's just not enough evidence for me to believe it. And I'm not about so to shame him. you're not supposed him. to be rational. That's what I'm talking about. That's why I feel alienated from the feminist movement because I don't feel like, you know, I did a job where I was... Um, you know, I did security for 13 years. There were lots of occasions where I had to be uh, in close proximity with a male subject who was, you know, obviously bigger than me and very hostile and drunk. And so, you know, other coworkers of mine who weren't even in the security department would sometimes come by, you know, while I was dealing with this individual and they would come over and kind of hover in the area until I got the person out. And then, um, you know, when I would come back inside, they would say, oh, you know, I, I, I wasn't that I didn't think you could handle yourself, but I was just, and I would just be like, no, like, thank you. Like, because and that's the decent thing to that's do. That's the decent human thing to do. If I saw a man being aggressed on by a larger male, like, and I was afraid for his safety, I'm not going to leave. I mean, yeah, I'm only four foot 11, 
But, but you can still call the cops. But I can still call the police. And I could still, if another individual sees there's two people now, they have to, and I used to joke with people, I'd say, if somebody, somebody tackles you down, like, I got the back of their head. Because it's, <laughs> it is harder to fight two people than it is one. So if some, something crazy happens and someone grabs somebody, like, while they're beating on that person, hey, you got, get something, hit them on the back. Like, survival situation. I'm just saying, like, any human being should be there for another human being. And if a, right. and if a man, if we're in a society where a man has to be afraid to feel protective of me as a woman because I'm going to be offended by that. What the, f- what are we talking, yeah, what are we stupid. doing? That is stupid. So I would always say thank you and express to them that feeling that I'm not that kind of a, in any way, that kind of a person or feminist, whatever you want to say, that's going to be insulted because you thought you would protect me because I would protect you the same way. Right, as exactly. long as you don't act like I'm incompetent because I'm a female. Now that does piss me off. Yes. And I have encountered that. Obviously all women have encountered men who talk in a demeaning way, who act like you're stupid, who, who are threatened by when you act and tell. So yeah, I've dealt with a lot of that. Yeah, shit. actually here's a good example of that too. Cause my brother does this to me and I get it like big brother, little sister thing, but I, I just, it aggravates me. I'm an adult. And when I decide to go out and get drunk, have drinks, whatever, I typically go to the local casino. For a lot of reasons. It's super close to my house. So I can Uber home or have somebody pick me up. No problem. But the, the main reason I do it is because I can valet. So no walking through dark parking lots. And there's cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay? So nothing's going to happen to me. I can get totally tanked. As long as I don't leave the property until they pull my Uber up and I get <laughs> in the car and drop me on my front door, somebody is watching Which, me. Which, let me just say that you can only do that now because they fired me. <laughs> right, yeah. Couldn't go get drunk there before you'd throw me out. <laughs> well, so. we like, I just felt like it was a lot more under control, not to sidetrack our conversation, but it's just out of control now, Oh, yeah, now, I get apparently. tanked tank down there. So, there's lots it's of disappointing that security's gone to hell down there. But anyway... But yeah, my brother would always get on me and just criticize me for, I don't know, I guess being in my 20s and going out and drinking. Like, just absolutely, like, talking down to me, like, well, how stupid can you be to put yourself in such vulnerable situations and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, first of all, fuck you for doubting me. (laughs) Because I'm like the most paranoid person you know. But it's like, you know what I mean? Like, he could have said it in a way that was, like, much more approachable rather than being demeaning. As if I'm the man and I know best. Yeah. But that's just the type of personality he has. So, yeah, I some, think he, and he's learning. Ever since he had a daughter, he is learning. Right. To not be that way, which is encouraging. Because when if I remember he can learn, you and I having a conversation and we had a conversation with him after, you know, he was really irate one day and just went off on, on a male tantrum, which, you know, when men have tantrums, they're not necessarily violent, but they sometimes throw things, which some people might consider violence. But, um, you know, they puff up they get very loud they cuss and you know if you're a woman who's experienced a man being violent and you see those kind of uh interactions as a female you go into you go into survival mode right? right because from a female perspective and i don't know if men actually um can perceive this or not but yes we trust men at the same time we're always cognizant of the fact that you're bigger than us that if we allow you our, ourselves to be in a such certain situation with you, there may be no getting out. There may be no way to change your mind once you go too far into that encounter. So, you know, whether it's being in a room with a guy that you don't really know and looking at where the door is when you're in the room with him, like, do I have to go through him to get out that door? 
I think women, most women kind of have like an understanding all the time that a man has an advantage over us. And we always have to be aware of that. And so when he got upset and was having his little male tantrum, you and I reacted to it like, you know, in a, in, in a fearful way, in the sense that we have to extricate ourselves from, from this, situation, from yeah. this angry male. And, and he, then we get called over dramatic women for it because but, they don't view it that way. And at first he reacted to our explaining to him why we left. And, you know, he was like actually sad. Like you think that I'm, I would ever be capable of causing harm to you. And I'm like, well, no. Of course, we don't want 99. to 99.9% of our brain says, no, you would never do that. But the 0.01% is pure survival instinct. So like when a man starts acting out of control, a woman knows, just leave. Yeah. Just right. don't be around that man. Because you, if he decides to go past that point, you can't stop him. Right, exactly. And I think that was a big like shock to his consciousness. That it's something from a male perspective that you don't think about because you don't have to. Now I've you heard, don't have to experience it, yeah. I have have had men tell me uh, in law enforcement and other capacities that, well, sure, we have to think about it too because there's always someone bigger than you. There's all, Whether you're a guy to guy, whatever, there's always somebody who can kick your ass. So you always have to be aware of it. But I just, I don't know if, you know, I don't feel like men experience that to the same level that we do. No, they definitely don't. It's not like as constant in their brain as like, you know, why did that guy walk down the street with like, why did he cross the street? You know what I mean? Like we're, we're not paranoid. We're just aware. You have to be vigilant, especially in a society that in our country anyway, will tell you regardless of what kind of violence you face that somehow it was your own fault, which we still face constantly. I mean, I, I constantly look at the things like the Brock Turner case and so many cases that followed suit just like that one did where they blame the woman. Well, you shouldn't Mm -hmm. have been wearing that or you shouldn't have been out drinking or you were asking for it. You know, we still live in that in 2020. And women perpetuate that too sometimes. They do. That's the really shocking. That's the really shocking thing for me is when you get like these women of the, of the right, you know, that are, um, you know, I guess so moral that, um, you know, they feel they, it's in their, it's in their venue to like, big shame other people who've been attacked because it's you know that like it's their fault and I and I feel like this whole concept like I said of dividing like feminism should never be a dividing force among women but it's become almost like political factions to where women don't support other women anymore like there was an Olympic gymnast who posted a video of her her I think her baby was like eight months old or six months old or something she's at the beach and she turns the baby over like oh very slowly like the baby's doing a flip. That's a woman's Olympic gymnast. She probably teaches kids how to do flips. You know what I mean? And she got assailed on the internet for mommy shaming because why would you do that to? And I can't even like, I was mommy shaming is a huge problem in our society right now too. It's disgusting. And it's so sad because being a mom, like we were talking about this too, as a part of you know being a woman, and I was questioning you about. Uh, you know, millennials, young women today, not wanting to have kids. Like how much of it is really the economy and the political, uh, you know, situation we're, we're in right now? And how much of it is just, um, you know, women are expected to have be a second income, so they don't want to have kids if they're not going to be there. There's so many factors. But I feel like feminism is almost, um, you know, projecting the idea that if you want to be a mom, and be at home with your baby, 
that somehow you're encouraging patriarchy. And I just, that's this disturbing feeling to me. Because I I loved being a mom. I feel like I could kind of agree with that and kind of disagree because I think that part of having a child is also making a commitment to the person that you have a child with to keep your family together for the well-being of that child. And therefore, when you do have a child with someone, you are making a commitment to stay with them and make it work. And I know a lot of people in my generation, I can't speak for the entire generation, but a lot of people that are my peers that experience their mothers being abused, taken advantage of, just taken for granted because they wanted to keep their family together. So Mm -hmm. their father just took advantage of that. Like, Mm -hmm. well, you're not going to leave because you don't want to ruin the kids' lives. So, you know what I mean? I feel like when you grow up seeing that, and a lot of people have, Mm -hmm. that that's the idea that they get. Well, if I have a child, I'm bound to that man or I'm a bad mother. Mm -hmm. So they just choose not to. So I think that's a big part of it too. But, you know, there is a lot of, I also know a lot of single moms who say, you know, they're better off Mm with just their family and them raising the kids. So I think the less that we demonize single mothers, maybe that kind of idea will burn out. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to have a man around. If he treats you like shit, you can still leave. Like, Well, that was, it's funny too, because that was a big criticism of uh, when the social welfare institutions went from being church run to being state run. Because when the churches gave out, uh, you know, welfare, you were expected to be, you know, deserving of the church's help. So if your husband died and you had four kids, of course the church is going to help you out because you're a widower and you know, you're a good moral woman and you had your kids and then your husband died. But if you were, you know, an unwed mother, uh, you didn't get the same treatment. And so social welfare institutions began to, to be more public issued to kind of get away from that stigma that religion was putting on women, you know, for basically violating the the norms of of patriarchy of saying that you have to have a man and you have to stay in an abusive relationship um and today even in native american cultures um you know i've watched documentaries where abuse alcoholism and abuse is extremely high among native cultures and women are abused at a much higher rate and they don't have anywhere to go because the reservation is is a closed system so some of the women who have left the tribes will start like rescue missions where women who are abused can escape. And they are just like... I'm pretty sure the Amish have something like that too. Like people who leave the Amish communities mm-hmm. then create like basically... Uh, they even had a TV show about it. I don't know how real it was, but it's called Escaping the Amish because there was like a lot of, you know, women being abused and children being abused mm-hmm. and things like that. So it just seems like... But the people that help them escape are like demonized. Oh, absolutely. And that's how it is in all of those situations. You can see it in any kind of like, I don't want to say cult-like, but you know, that type of... A closed system where the women don't have a choice. There's the Amish. There's Scientologists. There's Jehovah's Witnesses. Certain branches of the Mormons. Certain branches of Mormons. I mean, all of those, you know, branches. And there was one too, was it? I think it maybe it was Scientology that I was thinking of. But there's all these different factions of people and when they get in closed groups like that where their own governing force women and children are always abused yeah and why is that well because um a lot of them they are they're just patriarchal to start with and you know let's face it aside from weapons that give us equal physical uh you know 
ability, men are just bigger and stronger. So it just comes down to brute force. Okay, and so that's the that's the base biological argument that I try to pose to people when I say, you know, things like I don't first of all, I don't know why whenever you bring up equality, the first thing some men want to jump to is, well, if a woman hits me, I can hit her back. Like, why is that the one thing that you pick out? Like, you just want to hit a woman? Is that your <laughs> is that your thing? Like, I don't understand why that's your first thought. But secondly, you can be equal in certain aspects and still realize that there are differences. And that's kind of my whole argument with this assault thing. Like, you know, if a woman assaults you, she clearly deserves to go to jail, regardless of whether exactly. it hurt you or not. If she lays exactly. your hands on you, she should go to jail. Exactly. But my point is, she's not opening a door for you to use any amount of violence that you want right. on her because you're not defending yourself. I mean, if you get pulled over for a speeding ticket, then does that mean that the police officer has a right to just literally bludgeon you within an inch of your life exactly. because you broke the law, you broke the rules, so he gets to do whatever excessive force he wants to? No, that's a ridiculous argument. I mean, it's just it's just like with little kids, you know, siblings. I had a brother that was four years older than me. So say when I'm five years old, he was nine. If I walked up to my nine-year-old brother as a five-year-old and punched him, even though I hit him first and it was wrong, it doesn't give him the right to just beat the shit out of me. You know me and my saying? brother were only a year apart, so it kind of did work that Okay, well, us. then there's an equalizer, but you get what I'm saying. And I, I just don't know why that's so hard and why so many people are arguing that with me well, specifically I think that this week. Maybe, do you think it's because, like, I personally feel like the male populace in the rise of feminism of different forms of feminism like when women came into the workforce because men went to war okay in the in the uh in the 40s you know women were making the the uniforms and the bombs and men were out there fighting the war so that was like really woman's like first introduction to the workforce right and then men come back more like okay honey you can go back to baking cookies now some women were like well fuck that like i i liked working so you kind of had like the male backlash of well now women are trying to take our jobs Right? Right, yeah. And then women in the 60s kind of got into like the bra burning, like we're going to, we're not going to follow anything men tell us to do. We're going to liberate ourselves or whatever. And men kind of like didn't like that either because women were shirking. They weren't good women anyway. They were just, they wanted to be loose. They had birth control now. They wanted to be slutty and just have sex with whoever they wanted. Like, not like men were doing that before. Right, yeah. So now women were acting like men and they didn't have a right to. So men got mad about that. So as every reinvention of feminism happens, men react to it differently. And I feel like now men feel like women are hostile to them. Because I have men, have well, heard men are. say like, well, you know, you don't know whether to hold a door open for a girl or not. You're trying to just be nice. And then she wants to jump down your throat and attack you because, you know, I don't know how many women there are out there that really attack a man for holding a door. Yeah. When has it happened? I call fake, I call fake news. But I think things that never happened for $500, like, (laughs) (laughs) but I think that men feel hostile towards us because they feel like we're somehow looking at them as the enemy. And and some women maybe are looking at men as the enemy and saying, we've had enough is enough. Well, some men are the enemy. I feel like that's the argument that I try to make is that some men are the enemy. Mm -hmm. Not all of them. Mm -hmm. Surely not all of them. And there are a lot of men who stand by women and see, like, it's not necessarily about specifically gender, but they recognize that a large majority of men do this specific thing that women are upset about, and they stand with the women on it, as they should. Mm-hmm. So it, I don't think that, I think that's where it becomes such a divide, mm-hmm. you know, is that 
there are men who say she's never asking for it. No means no. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when the Steubenville rape case happened, I don't know how familiar um, the viewers are with this, but a complicated rape case had happened. And they made a movie about it, a documentary about it, and they interviewed people in the local area who, being from Steubenville, Ohio, had all kinds of things to say, like she deserved it or she asked for it or why'd she go to a party. And they showed these videos of these teenage boys who were involved in this case, uh, laughing about it, making fun of it, making rape jokes, like, as this shit's going on. And there's one kid in the video that stands up and says, this isn't funny. This is wrong. Mm -hmm. You're talking about a girl being raped. This is wrong. This Mm -hmm. is not funny. And I'm just like, that kid didn't get enough positive feedback for that, in my opinion. They should be praising that kid because in a room where he faced peer pressure, where he was at the age where people would say, oh, boys are being boys. They don't know any better. He was better than all of them. Well, let's talk about the boys being boys thing because, you know, when the whole... uh, Supreme Court Kavanaugh thing, you know, came out. People were like really divided on that. And, you know, although I never think that it's okay for a man to show violence in any kind towards a woman, um, I think that when you go back in time, what happens is you have an entire generation of boys who were raised in an environment that was permissive. So was it right? No, it wasn't right. But they were raised in an environment where it was not only permissive, but almost expected as a part of a male going through puberty. Cause that's how you not, not to insult anybody, but that's how you quote proved you are a faggot. Right. If you're not chasing pussy, you must be a faggot. And so in West, in, in this area, especially like, you know, you better be trying to chase some pussy or something's wrong with you. Right. Yeah. Honestly, that, that is how people treat each other. So even and, still, there's some of that now. And, and when I was in, um, you know, junior high, you know, I, I like struggled with gender issues because like I said, I brought, was brought up in a patriarchal family. So I kind of felt like, you know, all things boy were good and all things girls were useless. <laughs> so you know, I kind of wanted to be in with the boys. I cut my hair short. I dressed more like a guy, wore ties to school. Um, and the girls that were like really effeminate, like I didn't relate to them. So, I mean, you know, I had that kind of gender confusion. But the boys, it didn't seem to bother them because they would grab anybody's butt. They would grab anybody's boob. I wasn't exempted from that just because I exhibited more maleness um, in, in my, my view. Um, but you know, when a boy at school grabs your boob in class, in front of teachers, I mean, maybe the teacher's not looking in that direction, but she's sitting right there at the desk and there's ass grabbing and grabbing and boob grabbing going on as a female, you think to yourself, this must not be really that wrong because he's doing it out in public, like in front of people. Right. So it, it plants a subconscious cultural message, both in the boy's mind and the girl's mind that this really isn't that bad. Well, and I agree. So if that you there, protest it, you're just making a big deal out of something that's nothing. There is some to degree on that argument that I understand. And I think that if you would have said that to me before, I would have been like, no, you're wrong. Until when David Bowie died, um, and maybe I'm biased. Maybe this is what, maybe my bias is what made me realize it. But when David Bowie died, people started coming out with all these stories that David Bowie was a pedophile. And I'm, of course, like appalled by that. Will not refuse to believe it. And so the story is, is that there was this 16, 17 year old girl who was a groupie of his mm-hmm. and was completely willing. And, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't 
in those days and the times that that happened, a 17-year-old groupie having sex with a musician was not considered any kind, anything that was bad. Mm-hmm. But now on today's standard, they want to turn around and spin it that he was a pedophile. And I'm like, first of all, I feel like maybe maybe I did get this view because it's biased. I don't know. I feel like it's fucked up because true pedophiles, you know, have a legitimate issue. And by watering it down by that situation, right. you know, you're causing harm to that right. entire right. process there. And secondly, it wasn't viewed as wrong then. Right. I hate to say they didn't know any better, but it just wasn't a big deal then. Well, I mean, times change and, you know, there are plenty, like when we were talking about slavery and we went back and read some of the arguments, um, congressional arguments about slavery. It wasn't that everybody thought slavery was fine back when it was going on. There were plenty of people that were morally just, it was reprehensible to them back then. So there are people who are out ahead of their time who realize that things are wrong but I think it takes a person or a group of people who realize that this is wrong and they speak out about it and they bring a conscious awareness to the rest of society who is kind of, for their own selfish reasons or out of ignorance, think it's okay. Um, so, you know, the Me Too movement, I think, is extremely instructive because it's, it's, it's showing society it's opening society's eyes and for the first time saying to boys you know who are my age say and I'm 49 you know so a boy it's not about demonizing a boy who when he was a teenager grabbed girls boobs and butts it's about being instructive and saying like when you did that it made somebody feel humiliated and disgusted and they overlooked it because society told them it was just normal stuff but it's not normal stuff. It makes people feel bad. And we teach boys going forward, like, not to be that way. Right, yeah. I don't believe in going back in time and trying to humiliate people for things that uh, clearly were not viewed the same today. Because Except I feel like that's in cases of violent, of like, obviously violent rape. Well, yeah, Actual yeah. pedophiles. Like, we're not talking about that. We're talking about, you know, stuff that was considered just boys being boys. Yeah, yeah. It was the norm. You know, well, being touchy-feely. Like, you know, when that Justin Trudeau thing came out about the blackface, about the, him being at some Arabian-themed party and he was wearing blackface. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so now we all, in the year 2020, understand that that is offensive. Right. So we don't do it. But back then it wasn't, you know, it wasn't viewed that way. Right. And people weren't aware that what they were doing was harmful. Mm-hmm. So it's how, how can you go back and take that picture of him from so long ago and try to humiliate him with it now because all he's going to say is, yeah, I did that, and now I'm aware that it's offensive, so I won't do it again. Right. So what, what is the whole point of raking people over hot coals and starting all, all this controversy? Political and, you know. But I feel like when things like that happen in the feminist movement, like, for example, trying to destroy David Bowie's image after the man had just died, it's only hurting the whole cause. Mm-hmm. Because it's re- that's not being constructive to anything. Right. You know? We know better now. We know that those things are wrong now. We're teaching, you know, the future mm-hmm. not to, to go backwards. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean you have to destroy someone no. who didn't know any better, yeah. you know. There's no excuse for things like the the, the cases that happen now. Mm-hmm. Because we have been aware of these problems for long enough. Mm-hmm. The people do know better. Mm-hmm. So it's like that argument that you brought up about the rich kid who they, you know, thought they should let go even though he broke the law and like, hurt a bunch of people because he doesn't know 
He oh, doesn't yeah. know the affluenza kid. Yeah, they called him the affluenza. But anyway, you did run over a little bit. It's like uh, ten after, so I guess we'll wrap this up. And I don't know. I like to throw in these interesting topics every once in a while. Yeah, get just, off the politics for a little bit to yeah. just kind of talk about. So I don't pop a blood vessel in my eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so interesting for me to even talk to you just because we're from different generations and I feel like you share a lot of the similar similar qualities with me, but at the same time, like you're in a you're in a different world, so Right. And there's a lot to be said about um, you know, how you grow up and what your peers experience and what you experience and what you see. And that's just different from generation to generation. So the biggest lesson we should have out of all of it is that women need to support each other and love each other. And whether you're a working woman who never wants to have kids or whether you're a woman who has kids and stays home, you got to take care of each other, man. Right. Yeah. That's becoming an unfortunate common thing that I've been calling out amongst people in my generation who have this term called pick me ass bitch it's like a derogatory like insult like if they see a girl who posts a picture on facebook working on her car they'll be like well she's just a pick me ass bitch she's just doing that because she wants male attention and i'm like what the fuck (laughs) fuck you first of all why are you assuming that everything in her life revolves around the attention of a man. Like, clearly that's what's on your mind. But Oh, wow. And I get that, you know, from men and women who, like, with the video games. Like, I play video games all the time. And I get that. Well, you just do it because your boyfriend does it. And I'm just like, bitch, I'm better than him. <laughs> it has nothing to do with him. Like, what makes you think I give a shit? Yeah. And you don't have to say something all the time. Yeah, you don't. Just keep your fucking mouth shut and move along. Just roll let, your eyes. What happened to just rolling your eyes let people and let it go? enjoy things. <laughs> Not everything needs a label. So anyway, guys, that's, uh, that's all for this week. And this is Juke signing off. And this is Mick signing off.